What's going on, my fellow nerds? Welcome to the Midwest Marvel Podcast. On today's episode, we are previewing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which comes out this Thursday, February 16th. I am so incredibly hyped for this film, and I think we have a lot to look forward to. And so really excited to talk about the film today and just kind of talk through some predictions, talk about maybe where we've gotten up to this point within phase four and now entering into phase five and just what maybe maybe some theories and talk Kang a lot because it sounds like we're going to get a lot of Kang in this film which is just the best news in the world for me at least being somebody who loves my movie villains I am so stinking hype for this I'm your host Nick Adams aka Midwest Marvel guy Sadly, my amazing co-host, Zeke Farnsworth, is not able to make it today. We just had some scheduling conflicts due to uh, me just kind of planning things poorly. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's the day that we're doing this podcast. And I'll be honest, I forgot that today was going to be Super Bowl Sunday. So I just planned poorly on that. And, and, And as a result, Zeke was unable to make it at this particular time. He will be with us next week, though when we talk about our reaction and review of Quantumania after we've seen it next week. So really looking forward to that. Appreciate all you guys checking in and and viewing each week. Our numbers have been going up slowly but surely, and so that means more of you are starting to tune in. More of you are are just becoming a, a part of the Midwest Marvel Nation, and so we appreciate you guys so much and continue to tune in, continue to tell your friends and fellow nerds about the podcast, about the social medias, TikTok, YouTube, we're on all of that, and so I appreciate you guys always engaging and showing us some love. But that being said, let's hop into some things here. So before we get into all of the Quantumania stuff, just like like to always start off with some general nerd news about things that are going on. So kind of two really big things this week. First and foremost is that Hogwarts Legacy came out, the long-awaited, heavily anticipated game about just uh, the, the open world Harry Potter Hogwarts game has finally released. It, it came out for all of us who did not pre-order it yesterday. Uh, what's today? today? Today is Sunday, so it would have came out two days ago. And reviews and early reactions to the game are fantastic. Absolutely amazing. I got a chance to play it for a short while last night. Not as long as I wanted to because I I misjudged how much storage that game was going to take up on my computer. And so I ended up having to figure out a way to really consolidate and delete a lot of the storage that I had on my computer to make room for it. Because I wasn't going to just wait until I got a new SSD card to get more storage on my computer. I had to make it happen, but it means that it took me a while to get things going. But the little bit that I did get to play, I got to the point where I I am sorted into my house. You are listening or looking at a fellow Gryffindor sorted into my house in my common room, and I'm so stinking hyped to explore the world of Hogwarts. I've heard the map is incredible. I've heard basically anything that you could see, you could get to, anything you feel like you should be able to do, you pretty much can, aside from uh, just like randomly assaulting fellow students or professors. (laughs) Make it clear that this is not GTA Hogwarts edition, which which I think a lot of people were assuming that that was going to be the case, that you would just like right from the get go, you'd be on the train and the woman comes by with the snacks with the trolley and you just give her the old Avada Kedavra, the one two Magoo and send her packing. That's not the way the game is set up, unfortunately, although I, I, 
I do think that there is a, is a place for that later on, and maybe we get a more adult version of Harry Potter where we can run around and do that stuff and kind of have this vast online world, kind of like a GTA format, but it's Hogwarts instead. That's not what the game is, though, but it is an absolute blast. It's so cool. Graphically, it's amazing. It is beautiful. So incredibly detailed. I'm hyped. If you're a Harry Potter fan, like this is the dream. This is the absolute dream for you. It feels like I got my Hogwarts acceptance letter in the mail. And now I finally get to travel and explore the world that I read about and watched so much growing up. So, so good. Other news, not really a whole lot else. Aside from with today being the Super Bowl, we're actually rumored to be getting quite a few different movie trailers for some popular movies that are coming up. Probably the most anticipated trailer that's supposed to be coming out today, and I'm sure we'll talk about this next week if it does indeed come out, is a trailer for The Flash. And we're pretty sure we're getting that trailer because we got the poster for it. Uh, they they released the first teaser poster for The Flash, which is a really cool poster, by the way. And so everybody anticipates that the movie is going to get its first teaser trailer tonight. And I got to be honest, I am so stinking excited. I, I know I probably shouldn't be because Ezra Miller has been on his own personal GTA run in real life over the last year and a half or so. And, and honestly, it's a shock to me and everybody else that this dude is still involved in this movie because anybody else would have been fired and somehow this thing is still happening. And the only explanation to why this movie is still taking place is because it has to be an insane film. James Gunn even said himself that it's one of the best superhero movies ever made in his opinion. And I have to believe that he's right because why else is this thing still happening? They, they've they scrapped almost everything else that was being done by DC if, if it was less than great. And they're letting this thing go on. It has to be magnificent. So listen, I'm... I'm not condoning what Ezra Miller has done leading up to this movie. I know he's not a great dude. I don't care. I'm willing to separate the art from the artist, and and, and I'm going to go see this movie because it, it sounds that great. It also sounds like we're going to get a trailer for Guardians 3, which we already have the teaser trailer, obviously, but it sounds like we're going to get one of the more official trailers, which I'm super excited about that. Supposedly, the storyline is centered around trying to save Rocket's life and, and help Rocket out, which... I, I kind of feel like that means Rocket is not going to be the one to die. I, re I really think Drax is done. Everyone's talking about which Guardians are going to make it and which ones aren't. I don't think Rocket's going to be the one to bite the dust. I think they want us to think it's Rocket. I think it's going to be Drax, and who knows who else. But Drax makes perfect sense. One, because Dave Batista already kind of spoiled that he's not in it anymore, that he's done with Marvel, and, and that his character arc is finished with Drax. To me, the perfect character arc for Drax is that he does die uh, saving his friends saving the new family that he has to go now be with his og family because we know that he lost his wife and his kids to i i think it was at the hands of thanos or maybe it's at the hands of ronan i can't quite remember my memory's foggy on that but it just seems like it would be the perfect arc if he gets to go and be back with them in the afterlife by saving and helping the family that he has now which would be so fitting because he was selfish early on and, and and for him to end up sacrificing himself for others, that would be a fitting conclusion for his character. So excited to see that. Transformers Rise of the Beasts is another one. We're supposed to maybe get another trailer for that. Listen, I know there have been some flops at the Transformers franchise, but you cannot convince me that that is not an amazing 
franchise for a lot of those movies. The original Transformers movies is, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Period. That's a fan. That is fantastic cinema. I remember watching that in the theater for the first time and just being blown away. The CGI and special effects for that, especially at the time that that came out, incredible. It's such a good movie. Watching that first scene when they're on the military base and the helicopter turns into a Decepticon right in front of your eyes was just mind blowing. And I'm excited to see where this goes. It's it's been a long time since we've had a Transformers movie. I think they're going to crush it. I I hope they do. I'm at least going to watch it. Uh. Another movie, Indiana Jones, uh, and I honestly should have written down the rest of the name for the title because I can't remember it, but we're supposed to get another Indiana Jones trailer, and I'm also really excited for this one. I know people didn't love Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I do think they've learned their lesson from that. I, I think they hopefully know why people didn't like that and, and why it didn't hit, and I would assume, especially knowing that this is indeed Harrison Ford's last run as Indiana Jones, I can't imagine they screw this up. That being said, we all said the exact same thing about Star Wars and Rise of Skywalker, and look what the heck happened to that. So nothing's guaranteed. L- listen, I love Disney. They make a lot of great content. They Marvel films are obviously some of my favorite things in the world. But they also are known to just royally fumble the bag when it comes to some of these franchises and nobody's exempt. They've done it for all of them and they've also crushed it for all of them. So let's not act like everything's bad. Everyone acts like Disney just fumbles the bag time after time. That's not the case. Disney still does great work and makes great content, but they do occasionally screw it up big time. So not out of the realm of possibility, but I really would be surprised if Indiana Jones is less than fantastic. Another trailer that we're going to get, which actually made its debut on Friday, but is going to make its TV TV debut on the Super Bowl, is for Fast 10, baby. Fast and Furious 10, the supposed finale to the Fast and Furious franchise. And let me tell you something, man. I know, I know that these movies are ridiculous. These guys took a car to space last time. I know it's ridiculous. I know that it started out as a group of street racers that were just stealing electronics and things from semi-trucks. That's the way the franchise started. It was all about drag racing and, and heists. I know that they have now become like like the Suicide Squad, essentially. I know how ridiculous it's gotten. And let me tell you something. I don't care. Those movies are fantastic peak cinema. That's why I go to the movies. I go to the movies to shut my brain off. I'm not there to overanalyze it. I know that cars aren't supposed to go to space. I know that you're not supposed to be able to drive a car off a cliff and somehow magically get a, 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 a cable line connected to the axle that could swing you around so you could get back up on the other side of the cliff. I know that those aren't possibilities, and I don't care because they are so stinking entertaining, and it is so fun for me to just go to those movies, shut my brain off for two and a half hours, watch a whole bunch of really cool explosions with a lot of really big names in acting. Every movie, they just bring on somebody new who's just a bigger name than the last one. And I mean, I mean, we've had The Rock. We've had John Cena. We have uh, uh, now... Uh, Charlie Theron was in one of the last films. And now we got Jason Momoa, baby. Jason Momoa is the villain in this one. And I'm so pumped. Oh, Jason Statham. He's coming back for this one, right? I just love that this, this film's gotten to the point where they don't care how they bring people back. They just continually bring people back, stack the cast, and it's great action. It's a lot of fun. I'm so pumped. One of the last trailers that's rumored, I know there's others, but just 
just the ones that I, I truly care about. There's there's a rumor that we could get a Loki season two trailer. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but we're getting close. Loki season two is summer of 2023. When you look at the phase five slate of, of things that are coming ahead, we got we got what if, which supposedly comes out spring 2023. We haven't gotten a trailer for that. Secret Invasion, spring 2023, we have gotten a trailer for. There's also a rumor that we could get one today as well, but I'm hearing less and less of that. Guardians 3, May 23, we're getting our second trailer for that. So it, it makes sense that we would get a Loki trailer sometime soon. And today, honestly, I feel like it would be a perfect day to debut that. So I hope, I hope, especially with Quantumania coming up, it would be the perfect timing. Or perhaps there are things in the trailer of Loki Season 2 that are going to spoil things for Quantumania. So maybe we're going to get that after the fact. But speaking of Quantumania, let's go ahead and hop right into it, baby. So where to start? as far as getting prepared for Quantumania, if you're wanting to give yourself a refresher, and I know by the time that this releases, it's going to be Monday. The movie comes out on Thursday. So maybe you got tickets for Thursday, or maybe you're watching it on the weekend. That gives you, what, four or five days to do some catch-up if you're really wanting to do your homework leading up to this film. I got you. I feel like there's four main things that you need to watch in order to get yourself ready for Quantumania. First and foremost, obviously, is Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Those are the two big ones. Ant-Man is such an underrated film. We talked about this last week on the Underrated Awards. Uh, Ant-Man is incredible. I, I think it's close to being a top 10 MCU film. It's just so fun and, and so well done. But that's going to be big because Darren Cross, who was the villain who played Yellow Jacket in Ant-Man, the first movie, he's going to be playing MODOK in this film. And so you're going to want to be familiar with Darren Cross because he's coming back. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I don't know how much of that's going to tie in. But I do know, obviously, Ant-Man and the Wasp dives into the quantum realm a little bit. So so their quantum mania is taking place in the quantum, quantum realm. There's going to be a lot of that. Probably the biggest thing that you can watch, I don't know that I'm going to get time to watch all of these movies that I'm listing, but I do have time to watch one thing, and I actually started it today. The Loki season finale, episode six of the first season of Loki, which features Jonathan Majors as He Who Remains as a Kang variant. That is, I feel like, the most important thing to watch because uh, obviously we're seeing Prime Kang in Quantumania. But that's in Loki, that's the version of Kang that beat everybody. That's the version that ended up on top of the hill after all the dust had settled from the multiversal war. Also, just a phenomenal episode, in my opinion. It's the best finale for any of the MCU shows. And so, yeah, I, I would hi I just go back and watch that episode randomly on occasion just because I feel like Jonathan Majors does such a great job. And then the last one's Endgame. Just with all the time travel themes and the quantum realm and everything like that, I think Endgame... There are going to be certain things that are pulled from that, maybe rules about time travel that are going to be referenced again, or that we'll realize maybe we're wrong in Endgame and are corrected by Kang in this. But I think Endgame is going to be a really big, uh, really big factor in in Quantumania. But Quantumania, the the premiere happened uh, this this past uh, what was it Monday? This past Monday, they had the review for Quantumania, so reviews are out. Early reviews are out. I've only looked at spoiler-free reviews. I want nothing ruined. I, I'm the type of person, I don't want to see any spoilers when it comes to films. 
or TV shows. I like to be surprised. I'm the same way with birthdays. I'm the same way with Christmas. I don't want to know what my gifts are ahead of time. I like to be surprised, even if it's something I didn't ask for. My wife, every year for Christmas, always asks me what I want to get for Christmas, and I usually don't give her that much of a list, mostly because she's really good at picking out gifts and and surprises, and so I'd rather just be surprised from her rather than me ask for something. I, I like the thrill of it. Same thing with movies and TV. I like the thrill of not knowing, so I don't want to be surprised, I don't, or I don't want to be spoiled. I want to be surprised. Uh, so you're not going to have to worry about that in this episode. I'm not going to give anything away that's going to be uh, really telling of the film, but I did jot down some of the first reactions and reviews to the film because I thought it'd be worth talking about and mentioning. And And honestly, reviews are, surprisingly to me, they're a little bit all over the place. Now, majority of the reviews are great. I'm seeing way more good reviews than not. I, I'm seeing a couple of reviews talking about the film just being maybe not not quite as great as people had hoped for or uh, just people not falling in love or being as attached to it as they hoped they would be. But again, those reviews are more few and far between. A majority of the reviews that I'm seeing are people who love the movie, thought it was extremely good, a fantastic start to Phase 5, and an amazing setup for what's to come, which is what a lot of people have been asking for. One of the things that I've seen in reviews that actually has been a criticism of the film is that it spends too much time worrying about setting up for what comes next, which is ironic to me that that's a criticism because that was one of, if not the biggest criticisms in all of Phase 4 is that a lot of people complained that Phase 4 didn't do enough setting up, that a lot of Phase 4 just focused so much on individual projects, it felt like it was a bunch of standalone projects that were separate from each other, and no one saw how they tied in. And now we have a film that it sounds like sets up the rest of the MCU so well, and now people are saying that, oh, they needed to focus on that individual film more. They don't need to worry about tying it in so much. Y'all can't be pleased, man. You can't have it both. You got to pick one or the other. And I think it still focuses on the film. I just think that obviously it does set up a lot, which is what we've needed. Um, but I'm excited for that. I really think that it's going to be it's going to be a spectacle. So, 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 so here's some of the reviews that I've seen and, and I've jotted down. I actually have them down here. Word for word. So one review, and, and, I, and I'll be honest, I probably should have taken down who wrote these reviews to give them credit, and I did not. So I apologize if, if somehow, by some way, whoever you are, you listen to this and you realize I've read your review. I am so sorry. Please do not copyright strike me for stealing your content. That was not my intention. That's not going to happen. Uh, one review said, just got out of seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Let me just say this film is amazing. I'm so grateful to have been given a chance to see an early screening. This is the best MCU movie. Kang is the greatest villain we have seen. The ending is mind-blowing. I loved it. That's that's a high praise right there. The best MCU movie and that Kang is the greatest villain. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not surprised to hear that Kang is the greatest villain. I really think a lot of people are probably going to think that when the film is done because Jonathan Majors is just insane and Kang as a villain, even apart from Jonathan Majors, is insane. Uh, hearing it's the best MCU movie, I, I don't know that that's going to be the consensus, but I do think 
I think this is going to be a very unique movie that's going to be tailored towards certain people. I, I think super nerds and people who love sci-fi films in general are going to love this. I think people who maybe don't get quite as much into the weird and the sci-fi-y, uh, I don't know that it's going to be their favorite. I think they'll still like it and be entertained, but maybe they're not going to love it. Another review says... Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is a great start to the new phase with a more adult tone with the arrival of Kang the Conqueror. I love hearing that. Played extremely well by Jonathan Majors, who is stealing the show. Visually stunning, nonstop action with a touch of Ant-Man comedy. Absolutely great. Again, love hearing that there's a more adult tone. Sounds like there is still that humor. I've I've heard some people say some of the humor misses. I've heard other people say the humor is fine. Uh, You know, whatever. It sounds like there's a more adult tone and a little more serious tone with this than some of the other Ant-Man films and other MCU films in general. I love that. I think that's the direction that the MCU needs to go to. I think it needs to get away from all the super, super quirky comedy all the time. Uh, again, some of it's just too much. I think there's a good balance that needs to be had. And I, and I think they're working toward it. Now, now as far as one of the uh, reviews that maybe isn't quite as favorable... Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania wasn't the most entertaining MCU movie I've ever seen, which is such a dichotomy from the previous review, right? Where it talked about how there's nonstop action being great entertainment. Uh, This person says it's not the most entertaining MCU movie I've ever seen. Disappointed that this is how we're entering phase five, but narratively, it does mark the beginning of a multiversal narrative that can literally go anywhere. Plus one mid credit scene, one post credit scene. Uh, there are going to be reviews like that. I I don't expect that to be my feeling walking out of this film. I, I expect it to be much more online with one of the first two. Maybe not being the greatest MCU film I've ever seen, but I think I'm Here's really going to uh, Maybe not so favorable review. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania should have sparked Phase 5 with a bang, but it misses the mark. The story is plagued with filler. While sufficient, lacks depth. However, Majors does give an outstanding performance as the cunning and ruthless Kang. I wish it had left an impression. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think that's going to be my, my thought, but we'll see. One of the reviews said that it's one of the best sci-fi films ever made, period. Not just Marvel sci-fi films, one of the best sci-fi films ever made, which again, high praise. I don't know that I'm going to go quite there when it's all said and done. Maybe I will, but that, that's a lot. Uh, and another review said it's one of the best or it is the best MCU film since Endgame. That is high praise because we've had Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi, and Wakanda Forever since then. And, and those are what I would consider to be by far the three best films that we've gotten since Endgame. And the, I mean, those are all top tier. Those, those are all top 10 in the MCU for me. Wakanda Forever is top five for me. Shang-Chi is top 10. No Way Home is top 10. So to say that it's better than those three, that's high praise, man. Listen, I, I I will say this. I could see me putting it that high because for for as much as I love villains, it sounds like one thing is constant, regardless of whether or not people left a favorable review or not so favorable review. One thing has been constant that I've seen is that there we get a lot of Kang. Like, like there is no shortage of Kang in this film, which is great because Marvel's messed it up before. Gore the God Butcher gave us so little of Gore. And sounds like that's not the case. We're going to get a lot of Kang and and to nobody's surprise, Jonathan Majors just kills it as Kang and is an absolute menace. 
because of that, you give me a good villain, you have like you have me hooked, and I think that this could be up there for me just for that reason alone. Even if the rest of the movie is subpar, I think I could still throw this in a top ten because villains are that cool to me. Uh, one other, maybe the most interesting reviews that I saw, I saw multiple reviews that had comparisons to Star Wars and talked about how this feels like a Star Wars film set in the MCU. Honestly, I, I love that. I love that. I heard a lot of reviews say that this movie is the weirdest film in the MCU. Doesn't surprise me. Quantum Realm just looks weird, and it sounds like they really embrace that fully, and I like that. I like that they're willing to go there. I think that's also part of the reason why some people aren't going to love it. I think some people won't like the weird. I like the weird. I'm a weird guy myself, and so I I think it's going to be good. But let's get into, let's get past reviews. Let's talk predictions for the film. I, I have four different predictions for the film as, as far as just some things that I think are going to happen. And I don't have these all super specific, but I think these are some things that we might likely see. First and foremost, and this will probably be maybe the biggest prediction, but I think that either Janet Van Dyne, who play who is played by Michelle Pfeiffer, who is the wife to... Uh, gosh, why can't I think of his name now? Uh, original Ant-Man, Hank Pym. <laughs> Wife to Hank Pym. I think either Janet or Hope, who is the Wasp, will die. Period. I think it's going to be one of them. I think somebody is definitely going to bite it in this movie. Someone's biting the dust. That much I'm sure of. Usually in a third movie, there's always some pretty big stakes, and there's usually some pretty big loss. And I think somebody will bite the dust I think it's going to be Janet Van Dyne. Reason I think that is because, for one, I've heard multiple people praising her performance and saying how surprised they were that she's in as much of the movie as she's in and that she gave as great of a performance as she did. I think part of that performance will be tied to the emotion of losing her. I think we're going to see a lot of her because we're going to lose her. I, I think this is her, her, her finale, her encore. And it, it makes sense because we know from what we've seen in the trailers, we know that she already has a backstory with Kang. She already has ties to the quantum realm because she was trapped in there for so long. And we're going to find out a lot of her backstory about Kang in this film. It just makes sense to me that it's going to come full circle and that she would somehow die. I'm assuming maybe she pissed off Kang in some way or, or did something and he's going to get his vengeance on her. Uh, I think I think Hope could die, though. I think it could possibly be both of them. My money would be on Janet, but I think Hope could possibly die. I definitely feel like Scott has to lose something in this movie. Now, he could just end up losing the time that he thought he was going to get by making a deal with Kang because we know that he does make some kind of a deal. We see that in the trailer. And he even tells Kang we had a deal. I would imagine that deal involves him getting Kang out. And then when Kang gets out, Kang would promise him to give him the time that he lost with his daughter Cassie and his family. And, uh, of course, we know that that's going to go sideways, but that is my thought. But I think he could lose hope. And I think that would be a devastating blow. It does sound like hope is not in this movie that much. And I don't 100% know why that is. There's a lot going on, a lot of focus on, and so it's possible that there just wasn't time to really fit her in, and they really wanted to focus on the relationship between Scott and his daughter Cassie, played by Catherine Newton, sounds like she does a fantastic job. So, yeah, 
That remains to be seen. But, that, but that's prediction one. Either Hope or Janet or both, I think they're going to die. They're going to bite it. Uh, number two, I think that Scott will seemingly defeat Kang. Everybody thinks that Kang's going to beat Scott. I don't think so. I think somehow Kang will lose in some regard. Whether or not he he's actually fully defeated in this film, I don't, I don't know. This is prime Kang. That, that's one thing we know. This is the Kang the Conqueror that everybody knows. That is the most famous in the comics. And so I can't imagine that this version of Kang would be defeated by Scott, never to return again. I think that he will seemingly be defeated, but I think that when Scott returns to the real world after a time jump, because we know time moves differently in the quantum realm, I think after he returns to the real world, he's going to realize and find that another version of Kang has already taken over the Earth. So while he was gone and thought that he was taking care of business in the quantum realm, Kang was actually let loose and taking over the Earth. Piggybacking off of that, my third prediction is that this movie is going to lead directly into the Kang dynasty. I think that the end of the movie, or maybe the end credit scene of the film, which, by the way... One thing I've heard from quite a few sources is that these are some of, if not the best end credit, mid-credit scenes in the entire MCU. Now, I take that with a grain of salt because I feel like we've heard that a lot lately. And and granted, there have been some really good end credit scenes. The only one that I feel like has really lived up to that bill has been the end credit scene from Wakanda Forever. That, to me, is the best credit scene in the entire MCU, and it's the only one that's gotten me to cry. But... I do think, especially with the impact and the uh, just the stakes in this film and how it's going to how it's going to affect the rest of the MCU moving forward, I could see this film having some of the best end credit scenes that we've ever seen. I also think it's entirely possible that we get a scene from this film that's actually going to be used in the Kang Dynasty, and reason I think that is one. There's precedent for that. This has happened before. I believe it was Captain America, scene from Captain America, the first Avenger was actually used in a movie prior to that movie coming out. And and, and it's also happened before. It happened with uh uh Spider-Man Far From Home. A scene from Spider-Man Far From Home was used at the end of I can't remember which movie it was, but there's precedent for this. So would not be su- would not surprise me if there's a scene that they film knowing it's going to be used in the Kang Dynasty later. Also, Kevin Feige, during the premiere of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on Monday, was being interviewed, and he was talking about future projects and had brought up like the Kang Dynasty and other projects that are happening down the road. And as he was talking about those, he started to say, we've actually already... And then he stopped himself... And he realized he was going to give a spoiler. And and he said that I almost gave a spoiler right there. I can't say anything further. I think he was going to say that they've already filmed a couple of scenes or a scene for the King Dynasty. And I think that that scene is going to be a part of this movie. That's just my personal opinion. To me, the timing makes sense that King Dynasty would immediately follow Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Not that it's going to happen right away because we know we're still at least a year away, uh, like like two years away from King Dynasty, I think. But again, time moves differently. Just because this is the start of Phase 5 does not mean that 
this has to be the earliest in the timeline of things, especially because time will work differently in the quantum realm. So that being said, I could see this leading directly into the Kang dynasty. Last thing is my last prediction. I think we're going to see a variant of Kang in the film at some point. I, I really do. And one of the beauties about Kang and the comics is that there are so many different versions of him. And there are so many really cool versions of Kang in the comics. And we know we're going to be getting a lot of different variants in the MCU. We've already seen one with he who remains. There's already been confirmation that we're going to see a couple of variants of Kang in Loki season two. And who, who knows how many more we're going to see, or if, if we've already seen some, it just didn't know that it was a variant of Kang. Either way, I think we'll see a variant of Kang in this film. This might be a shot in the dark, but maybe it's Nathaniel Richards who ends up being Ironheart. That would, or, or Ironheart, who, who ends up being Iron Lad. Sorry, Ironheart was incorrect. Nathaniel Richards, who ends up being Iron Lad, who's actually a good version of Kang, at least for a little bit, uh, and, and opposes his father. I think we could see that. That would be super cool to introduce him because we know that the Young Avengers are already being formed, right? In terms of characters that exist in the MCU that will be a part of the Young Avengers. Those characters are here or are are in the process of being introduced in the MCU. And so Nathaniel Richards is actually the founder of the Young Avengers. Would not surprise me if we somehow saw him, even if it was just for a tiny, tiny bit or if it was, again, a part of an end or post-credit scene. So th- those are my those are my predictions for Quantumania. I do have one theory about Quantumania that that I've seen that that I think I think actually maybe gets confirmed for us in one of the latest trailers for Quantumania that we got this past week. So there's been a theory going around for a long time that the Ten Rings and the bangle from Miss Marvel are connected to Kang somehow because the Ten Rings and the bangle have very, very strong resemblances and appearance to some of the tech that we see in the previews for Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania and Kang City. And honestly, when you look at it, yeah, it, I mean, it's pretty uncan- uncanny. I would be shocked if that technology did not come from Kang himself or at least had some kind of connection to him. A lot of people have theorized that the signal at the end of the 10 rings. So if you remember the end credit scene in Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, the end credit scene is Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel and then Wong with Shang-Chi and Katie. And they're analyzing the rings and they see that the rings are actually sending some kind of a signal, right? Right. They, uh, I believe Wong says that they're acting like a beacon, sending a signal somewhere, and Shang-Chi says to where? The theory for a long time has been that the rings are sending a signal to Kang and, and reaching out because they've been taken away from their, uh, from their owner. And while that does make sense, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, I actually think that there could be a similar theory but not quite the same as that one in the sense that I think that Cassie and Scott get trapped in the quantum realm and the signal being sent to the rings in Shang-Chi is actually being sent from Scott and Cassie 
not Kang. Not the ring sending a signal out to Kang. I think it's Scott and Cassie sending a signal to the rings. And the rings, they're not sending a message out. That beacon is like, like basically an alarm. That it's receiving a message. Like, like back in the day when you used to get a notification on your phone and your phone would have a blinking light up in the corner to let you know, hey, you have a notification. That's what I think the rings are acting as. I think that it's a message that's being sent from them. And, and, and the reason I think that is because in the recent trailer that we got for Quantumania, or, or, or sorry, it's not a trailer, it's a clip. We see a clip of Kang and he walks up to Scott and Scott tells him that he's made a big mistake because he's an Avenger and that he's called the other Avengers to come help him. My question is, how did Scott call the other Avengers? How did he reach out to the other Avengers? I think he got a hold of some of Kang's tech, and he has sent signals through things like the rings. That's my theory. I think he's called out to them through that. Obviously, I don't think they're going to get there in time. Kang's going to do his thing. That's how I think the Ten Rings and, and, and the Bangle are connected to Kang in some way. All right. That being said, let's finish up here. Last thing I want to talk about before we finish the podcast, this will be a shorter one today, but I want to talk about why I think Kang will be a better, big bad, and a bigger threat than Thanos was. Now, let's get something straight. Thanos was that dude. Thanos was that dude. I love Thanos. He is a top two MCU villain for me. It is him and it is Killmonger. And depending on the day, the orders switch for him. But Thanos was that dude. Josh Brolin was that dude. Phenomenal actor. Incredible chops. It's going to be hard to ever have a villain better than Thanos. But I think that Kang is that villain. I think he will be a better big bad. I think he will be a bigger threat for a number of reasons. Number one, I think that Kang will seem unbeatable and will be incredibly discouraging to the Avengers because of his ability to control and travel through time and reappear even after he's seemingly been defeated. And that's why I think he's going to be defeated in this, or quote-unquote defeated, in this film to some degree because I think that's actually going to set up a display of just how powerful and how much of a threat Kang truly is. Because just when they think that the problem has been taken care of, Kang shows back up again in, in, in a different form as a completely different threat. The reason I think this is because we've already seen it happen, right? In Loki season one, Loki and Sylvie, well, Sylvie, Loki wasn't about it. Sylvie, Thought she had taken out Kang. She did not believe he who remains that if she killed him, he would start popping up everywhere. So she did it because she's an idiot. And surely enough, Loki gets sent to another timeline unknowingly only to find out that Kang has actually ruled and conquered that particular timeline. So they, they thought he was gone. And guess what? He's back. I think we're going to see that theme throughout phase five and phase six. I think there are going to be many different times where the Avengers or whoever will seemingly defeat Kang only for that dude to show back up again somewhere else and they're going to realize just how much of a problem he is. And, and, and I don't think he's going to be easy to defeat either, but in the times where they're able to do it, he's going to keep popping back. You know, he's, like, he's like the whack-a-mole at Chuck E. Cheese, right? Every time you, you hit one, another one just pops right back up in its place. That's going to be Kang. Second reason I think... Kang is going to be a better big bad is Jonathan Majors is just him. 
dude. Jonathan Majors is him. Like I said, Josh Brolin is a heck of an actor with amazing chops. I love everything that man is in. But personally, this is just my opinion, I think that Jonathan Majors is a slightly better actor. I think he goes above and beyond Brolin. And and that's no slight to Brolin because he is phenomenal, a living legend. But I think Jonathan Majors is one of the greatest actors in Hollywood right now. And I... We, we, we've already seen how great of a job he did as He Who Remains. The man was in one episode of Loki, one like 30, 40 minute episode, and already he cemented himself as one of the best villains in the MCU just with that little bit of screen time. Imagine what this man's going to do with a whole movie. And, 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 and not just a movie, because to kind of piggyback off that, we're going to see a lot more of Kang than we did Thanos. We're going to be way more familiar with Kang by the time the Kang dynasty shows up than we were with Thanos. Because with Thanos, we only saw him for Infinity War and Endgame. We briefly saw him in Guardians, but he but he was not the guy, right? That that was Ronan. Thanos was just kind of working behind the scenes a little bit. And, and Ronan was the villain in Kang dynasty, or Kang, gosh, in, in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Aside from that, we saw a couple of really quick end credit scenes that Thanos was included in. With Kang, that's not going to be the case at all. With Kang, we're getting big portions of him. We already got him in Loki, like I said. We're getting him in Quantumania, the entire movie. We're getting him in Loki Season 2 and the Kang Dynasty. That's just what we know about, but I firmly believe that he's going to be in a lot more than just those four projects. And so, yeah, we're going to be well acquainted with Kang by the time he shows up in Kang Dynasty. There's going to be a lot of rapport and a lot of history between him and the different Avengers that I think is just going to raise the stakes even more for Kang Dynasty and potentially Secret Wars if Kang is still in Secret Wars, which which I really think he could be because Kang in Loki talks about the multiverse of war. Just so we're clear, the multiversal war he's talking about is Secret Wars. Like, we already know this. Like, that's Secret Wars. That's literally the plot of Secret Wars is different universes fighting against each other for supremacy to make sure that their universe is the one that survives. That's Secret Wars. That's what Kang talks about in Loki Season 1. So, a lot of people think that Kang's going to get defeated in Kang Dynasty. I don't don't know that he is. I think he's going to be around, and we're going to see that multiversal war in him in Secret Wars. But yeah, we're going to get a lot of Kang, and I am here for it. Uh, one of the other biggest reasons that Kang is going to be that dude is because he's already beaten and killed Avengers. We know this because, again, in that clip, when Scott tells Kang, I'm an Avenger, you made a big mistake, I've called other Avengers, Kang's response to this man is, you're an Avenger, have I killed you before? And then he proceeds to talk about how all of those Avengers just blend together after a while. Like there's just there, there's just so many of them that I've killed. They just blend together. I I don't know which one's which. I don't know who's who. Are you the one with the hammer? By the way, that that's what he asked Scott Lang, which is just mind blowing to me because he basically reduces Mjolnir, Thor's magical hammer, to to a children's play toy. That's what he views it as. He he doesn't view it as some mystical, like mythical weapon that has this incredible power. No, he's like you, the guy with the hand, like that hammer thing. Is that you? That's how you know this man's a problem. And here's one thing I want to see. I really, really, really hope 
that we get to see at some point Kang just mowing down Avengers, just destroying Avengers, whether it's a flashback or whatever. But I want Marvel to show us. Don't just tell us. Don't be like in Thor Love and Thunder when we heard about gore butchering gods, but that's all we got. We we didn't see any butchering of the gods, right? It's one of the many reasons why Thor Love and Thunder sucked. And here we are. The streak continues. Me finding a way to sneak in my hatred for that movie in a podcast episode. Happens almost every week. And I will continue to slander this movie. It is officially a part of my personality. But it's one of the reasons why the movie sucked. Christian Bale and all of his glory and all the carrying that he did in that movie. Because it was literally the only good part of that film. We didn't get to see a guy called the God Butcher butcher any gods. None. Zero. We saw nothing. It was such a such a letdown disappointment. All it was was telling us about what happened. We didn't get to see any of it. I really hope that we don't just get to hear about Kang destroying Avengers. I hope we get to see it in some capacity, whether we're watching it in real time or whether we're seeing flashbacks of Kang doing it. And it doesn't have to be in this movie. I just hope it happens at some point. But either way, Kang is a problem because we know he's just like flattened Avengers and it's nothing to him. And so I'm, I'm so pumped for that. And then finally, Kang, like, like, Kang is, like Kang's just a more powerful dude, right? Thanos' power was tied to the Infinity Stones. You know what the Infinity Stones were to Kang? Paperweights. <laughs> the Infinity Stones that gave Thanos all of his power, Kang used them as paperweights in the TVA because he's just that stinking powerful dude he's that guy he's the one that allowed thanos to get those infinity stones he's like hey you you want the stones sure that's fine remember in loki season one at the end when miss minutes is trying to tell loki and sylvie that they can have whatever they want if, if they just leave kang alone remember what she tells loki hey you want to beat the avengers you got it you want to kill thanos you got that too like that that's who kang is dude he controls that. Thanos ain't touching him because Kang is literally like telling people like, hey, you want to kill Thanos? I got you. I'll put you in that position. That like That's a different level of menace right there. That is a different level of menace and, and that's who Kang is, bro. Thanos is nothing. Thanos might be bigger. That's it. Kang is smarter. He's one of the most intelligent beings in the universe, in the multiverse, with the most advanced weapons and technology in the universe. Like, Thanos ain't touching this man. He's so smart. He's so advanced. He he won the multiversal war against himself. Like, the biggest threat to him is him. And he beat him in the multiversal war. And again, I love Thanos. I love Infinity War. I love Endgame. They're two of my top five favorite MCU films. But I fully believe Jonathan Majors Kang is going to be that dude. He he's gonna be a even better big bad than Thanos, which is great. That's great praise because Thanos was one of the greatest movie villains of all time. So man, how lucky would we be if that ends up being right, or if it even ends up being close? If if Kang is even remotely close to Thanos in terms of just being a great villain, then we have lucked out because we're gonna get another all time great movie villain, and and it sounds like that's gonna be the case. So man, I am so pumped but but that's all that i got for you guys today man i just wanted to hop on and talk about quantumania and, and give myself hype because i'm so pumped for this movie i don't care that there's a couple of people who thought it was okay 
I think it's going to be amazing. I'm so incredibly excited, and I'm even more excited to talk about the movie with you guys next week. And so you better believe that next weekend we're going to be filming a podcast episode talking about our reaction and review. There probably will be some spoilers in it, so just FYI, you may want to end up saving that episode till later if you don't get a chance to watch next week. But go out and get those tickets, man. Get those tickets. I know there are still seats left for shows on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Get them. Go watch the film so we can talk about it next week aside from that thank you all again so much for your support each and every week please continue to to share the podcast please continue to share the social media pages please continue to engage with the videos on social media it's been a rough time in social media man like I, I, views are fluctuating like crazy it's happening to everybody i know it's not just me my creator friends that i talk to we're all going through the struggle right now for whatever reason especially on tiktok tiktok is just bipolar and it can be really frustrating so hey if you guys see the videos on there, please engage with them. Like the video, comment on the video, and the biggest thing is share the video. Whether you just copy the link or not, that is what really pushes it out there. Those shares, those are big. So I appreciate your guys' engagement so much on that stuff. I appreciate your guys' engagement on all the platforms with the podcast. And as always, if you have an email or if you have a question or a comment, let me know what you're excited about for Quantumania. Let me know your theories about what you think is going to happen in Quantumania. Do you think that Kang is going to be the best big bad the MCU has ever had? Let me know by sending us an email. The email address is at MidwestMarvelGuy at gmail.com. MidwestMarvelGuy at gmail.com. We will read it on the air, talk about it. Would love to engage with you guys in that way. So thank you all so much again. I hope you guys have a fantastic Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I hope you enjoy Quantumania. We'll see you next week to talk about that. Peace out, nerds.